0: doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Beth
1: McNamara i Michael McNamara. And uh, I will point out that we are all social distancing this morning. Uh, we are, I am, I'm doing this from my home office. As is Mike and uh, Cindy has been kind enough to, to uh, head down uh, to brave uh, to brave the public and head down to the station and record this all for us. So, uh, shout out to Cindy for doing that. Uh, how are you doing down there, Mike? Well, I don't you know there?
2: if we caught that uh, announcement there, but apparently the government's working overtime to give twelve hundred bucks to to people and billions a small business I don't know if you picked up on that but I rest my case apparently pe- people think that small business people are going to uh, what take the money and spend it or they're going to pay their employees and do whatever they kind of do sort of a thing But I know, I'm sorry I just, just had to point that out Jess I'm doing fine
1: Okay, you you have a problem with this this proposal? I mean, we can talk about
2: it. Well, the way they said it, $1,200 to individuals and billions to small business. It's just a a little, I'm a little sensitive about stuff like that. But anyway, moving on. Uh, What are billions? Unless
1: they're talking about trillions, it's not even real money. I I understand. You're you're on a roll, Justin. What do you want to do next year? Um, yeah, well, you know what? Before I before I talk, should we? You know, just wanted to see how mom's holding up with the uh, with the Tom Brady trade. Is she okay with it? What's well, the, the uh, going
2: on? Uh, you know, uh, she's okay with that because in the last couple of years uh, he lost some respect and status uh, in her mind and mine. So yeah, he, she, okay. we're, we we wish we had Jimmy G, but we'll we'll deal with whatever we have. She's she's hanging in there, Justin. Actually, but she did say she might want to go to a game in Tampa sometime. So I don't know. We'll see you about that. That's
1: right. You'll actually. That's easy for you, huh? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Uh, um, okay, so yeah, um, listeners out there, if you have any questions, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, telephone number if you're in live in the we're live in the Merrimack Valley today 978 nine seven eight four five four four nine eight zero. If you're on the South Shore listening on ATD, uh, you can shoot us an email questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com, uh, or you can go to McNamaraOnMoney.com to submit a question. We're just you know we're we're gonna we're gonna spend some time reacting to the news and spend some time talking about investments and portfolio. And volatility and and risk and all that good stuff and trying to uh, you know I, I guess trying to calm you know a calm people's fears but also sort of set expectations. Uh, I think it's been it's been such a long time since we've had anything serious happen. You know it's you know the, this is the first official bear market where the stock market has dropped 20% uh, since 2007 and it's, it's been a long time. So we're gonna keep talking about that and what to expect going forward and just, you know, volatility has always been part of the deal and, you know, maybe now more so than ever, uh, and we just want to hammer that home to clients. So.
2: Yeah, and folks, uh, you know, volatility is good. You need it to make money. You really understand that, folks. Uh, you know, n- nobody has a problem with upward volatility if you went up 30%. By the way, you know, uh, the S&P was up, what, uh, 14 or 15% last year, Josh? What, what was it for 2019? Do you remember? It was up significantly.
1: Uh, I, I can look it up. Yeah, well, why don't
2: you look it up? But my point is, nobody had a problem with that upward volatility. Now that it's down, that's the problem. And my point, and I'm I'm being very sincere here, folks, you don't get paid unless you have volatility, and you have to deal with the temporary downward stuff. Okay, anything that you do to lessen volatility lessens your potential return, and you're really need to get that. Okay, you can go absolutely safe and take your money and buy, you know, very short-term treasury bills at about one-tenth or two-tenths of a percent this week and be very, very safe, except after you pay taxes and adjust for about 2% inflation, you lose money sort of a thing. And and so, you know, you have to get used to volatility, folks, because you don't make any money without it. So that's just, we, we, you know, that that's where I'm coming from, and they need to know that just. So, yep, we'll talk about dealing with it, but if you get rid of it, Good luck with that.
1: Yeah. Uh, this, the S&P 500, the market was up uh, 31% for 2019. All right.
2: Nobody had any problem with that, right?
1: Uh, <laughs> no, they did And And just, just to clarify, um, you know, anything that you do – to reduce volatility it doesn't necessarily reduce your return, right? If if you're Mike is talking about in the context of a diversified portfolio, right? If you just own, you know, you you can you know you can have bad volatility if you just own say one one individual stock, maybe be lousy volatility. But if you're talking in the context of a diversified portfolio where you where you own multiple stocks, um, preferably in the form you know all around the world, and then you know, multiple bonds and all that good stuff. From there, most of what you can do to reduce volatility, you're going to have to give up some return, right? But there is there is good volatility reduction in the form of, of a diversified portfolio. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't eliminate it, uh, but it certainly helps. And I think you know these days, with, with how much volatility there is out there, and and how in in this case how few uh, assets have done well, I, I think you want you probably want to have lots of investments, and you want to be extra diversified, and that includes in the stock and the bond side uh, because they're isn't you know there's not there's no simple asset where you just say oh hey i'll buy a bond fund and i'll be fine if, if the market tanks doesn't really work that way anymore you know it's
2: certainly not this year that's for sure you know it just th- that's correct it's just the way it is folks and you just have to deal with it
1: uh do you want to go back to doing some uh want to read some articles and do some do some news bashing how about that
2: well um I'll, I can do that do you want to talk about some, some risk stuff is that one on your agenda as well or what uh, yeah, you know
1: so I do have if you want to do that now I'm, I'm happy to do that yeah
2: yeah and by the way you know you know let's let's talk about risk and let me back clean up here um let, let me get on my soapbox for a minute you know folks if you've listened to the show before I'm the big picture guy who speaks English and has his opinions and Justin's a detail guy who calms me down once in a while and sounds rational most of the time so That's kind of how we work, right, Jess? Okay. (laughs) Anyway, so, so, so risk is a relative thing. And as financial advisors, we're supposed to try to determine as best we can a client's risk tolerance so that we can match some investments with that risk tolerance. And, you know, they get the return that they hoped and the level of excitement, plus or minus, that they expected sort of a thing. Uh, And we try to do that. But, you know, it's really difficult because, you know, unfortunately, people's views of risk kind of vary with circumstances, uh, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to bet that a whole lot of people in the last month uh, have a different perspective of risk than they had before. February 19th if you know what i mean. So it's like a moving target and we can certainly talk about it but that that's a it's more art than science if you ask me but it's one of those things that's mighty important because you have to have some volatility but you got to translate it into oh i'm down 100,000 dollars this month that's too much volatility. Well, if you have a 4 million dollar portfolio that might not be. If you had a 200,000 dollar portfolio, yeah, you that that's a lot. So there's so many factors to this risk thing, and we'll start to touch base on it, uh, but the bottom line is you're really not going to know it till you go through it, and hopefully you survive and are toughened up a little bit in terms of your tolerance, but stay tuned.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it just... <laughs> And we're sort of constantly having the risk discussion, right? And if you if you have a long if you have a client that, that you've been with for ten years, we certainly bring up risk every single year and and you know, we, we do our best to talk about it, but it's but it's always hard, right? If you're sitting down with a client in at the end of twenty nineteen and you're talking about your balanced portfolio and you show and you say, Hey, how you doing? You know, are are you concerned about market volatility? Do you wanna do you wanna revisit the you know this you know the, the risk profile of your accounts, it's, it's probably a different answer when you you know when you're you know when when your seemingly relatively conservative portfolio is up fifteen percent, right? I mean, are fat, if you're in a fat and happy, fat and happy, yeah. You made fifteen percent, and you say, "How are you feeling about the risk?" Everyone says, "Great, you know, no big deal." Um, and that's that's. Likely, or at least potentially, a different story when you talk to them. You know, in you know here in March twenty in March twenty twenty, and you say, "Oh, hey, by the way, your balance portfolio is down fifteen percent." You know, how do you feel about it now? Right? That's a potentially a different answer. And that's just an example. I don't exactly know. Yeah, uh, what, a good one. Yeah, um, and so it's 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 very much a moving target. Certainly not a science to figure out where you should be because a your emotions change, and b the market changes and 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 even your advisors uh, guess at what might happen as far as portfolio performance and portfolio risk changes. Right? I mean, you know, going back to the discussion we had last hour, if if you had a portfolio, you know, if if when the market was down. Thirty. If you had a, if you had something in there that was up ten or fifteen, you know, like in the good old days when when you had a bond fund that might have you know, shown some serious appreciation. That's probably a you know that's that's a different level of risk than now when in this market both stocks and bonds have dropped and and you really get the cushion from your bond piece and so so everything is a moving target uh, how you feel and also what the expectations are and and I think I think we do do a good job of saying we don't really know what's going to happen right I mean we'll certainly make some educated guesses based on history but those are those are always changing as well and you know no no bear market is the same and so where you We're making best guesses, but that changes uh, year to year as well.
2: Yeah, and, you know, I I think our primary job as advisors on the risk level is if you ask somebody to take a risk quiz and they have no background and know nothing about investments, well you'll get whatever score you get but you know if that person had a financial advisor that spent some time educating that person about what might be and how it might work and they had some understanding and education about it that might be a different score you know yep. and, and, and so uh, f- folks in order to really understand your risk you really kind of need to get educated about what the possibilities might be so that you're prepared for that. So we we, we, we have to do that job. We can't actually tell people how, the, how they're going to feel at any given time, but the more information they have, the better able they are to make a, a decision about how comfortable they are, you know?
1: Yep. Yeah, and, and and just one thing I forgot to mention, also changing is... Well, hopefully also changing is the sum of money that we're talking about in the context of that risk. And I know you already mentioned that, but just going back, you know, if we look back 10 years, um, you know, 10 years to to 2010, you know, up to the end of 2019, if you had an aggressive investment portfolio, you probably tripled your money. Uh, or at least potentially tripled your money, and, and very likely doubled it. So, and if you're adding to your, you know, if you're talking about a 401k, you know, you you may have had a hundred thousand dollars back in twenty, you know, back the last time the market dropped, and this time you may be up to five hundred, and that's that's a very different feeling uh, when you get a lousy market. You know, your hundred thousand going to going to seventy is very different uh, than your five hundred going to three fifty, right? So every, everything. Yep constantly changing, which is, why it's, um, which is why it's something that we talk about um, on an ongoing basis, because we're just doing our best to figure it out. You know?
2: Yeah. And folks, uh, on that point, uh, do yourself a favor and don't think dollars. Think percentages. You know, if, you, if you're down $100,000 this month, divide it by what it was worth the month before. M- maybe down 10% sounds better than down 100. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought we would go through, you know, so we have a couple of risk tolerance questionnaires that we do use with clients. I thought we could just go through, I, I don't know if I'll, you know, read it. It's a multiple choice risk questionnaire. I don't know that we will, I'll certainly go through all the questions and maybe we can discuss, um, you know, the reasons they ask the question. I, I don't know that I'll read all five answers, all five potential answers for each one because that may get a little bit dry here, but you okay hey, with yes. that?
2: Well, yeah. actually, yeah, but guess what? Let's let's see if we can get a call or take a test (laughs) we can give it a whirl Uh, and and, and by the way we can give a gift certificate for uh, say 75 bucks to a local restaurant in the merrimack valley for anybody who wants to take our risk quiz how's that that
1: sounds good bribery call okay uh, uh, incentive
2: incentive okay so so why don't
1: you give out that number all right. The telephone number is 978. Oops, hang on a second. I, uh, I still haven't managed to memorize it, or at least I don't want to give it out wrong. 978-454-4980. Yep. If you'd like to take our risk tolerance questionnaire, we will we will bribe you for it um, with well, a gift certificate to a local restaurant. Uh, so give us a call, 978-454-4980. Let's and tell
2: you what, Jess, I'll do a couple of uh, article commentaries. We'll wait about five minutes and then get on with it. How does that sound? Is that all right? Yeah, okay. Okay, all right. So, yeah, so the clock's ticking, folks. And by the way, we're easy to get along with. We speak English. It won't be scary, we promise. But maybe we can get a test case on risk and kind of see where that goes. All right, so let me see. I've got 19 articles I can comment on, Josh. We may have to go to about 2 o'clock on this show today, okay? Something like that. Uh, Anyway, um, Yahoo News this morning politics session don't get excited Jess all right th- this is this blows my mind how did Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden screw this up okay this is by a fellow named Zach Carter from The Huffington Post the and financial article. Okay, yeah, yeah yeah and then by the way here's the first sentence President Donald Trump has unleashed a humanitarian and economic disaster on his own people there is no way to escape this fact <laughs> uh, you can't make this stuff up yeah uh, okay i i, I wh- 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 where do you, you have to get down about two-thirds of the way in the article but before you get to the the, the top there i above them above and but beyond okay so i don't know uh the qualifications of zach carter from the huffington post but um let's so this, see
1: you read the article
2: I did. Okay, Uh, here's here's a quote. Uh, And he's talking about the failure of the Trump administration, and by the way, Congress in general. As a result, the United States now faces a domestic crisis unseen since the Great Depression. Okay, so now we're comparing what may happen to an absolutely awful financial event that lasted a decade. Okay, this is the result of political malpractice, not merely biological bad luck. I'm down with that. I think our our entire political system uh, is having difficulty kind of deal with this, but hopefully they'll figure it out over the weekend because we are in a bit of a crisis there. But anyway, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't want to get political, but nobody's helping very much. Okay. Uh, Let's see here. One more, Jess. Goldman Sachs warns the S&P 500 could sink to 2,000. Okay. Okay. So it's about 23.50 now, but anyway, that's another 13%. Goldman Sachs sees potential for the S&P 500 to drop to 2,000, down 41% from an all-time high. Okay. um, But then here's the next part: before rebounding to end 2020 at oh. 3,200 as the impact of the coronavirus roils markets. Okay. Okay. So there's, you know, there, okay, so there's a pretty smart investment firm that's thinking, hmm, we're going to have some difficult times and we'll get over it and we'll rebound. And by the way, I don't think there's any question about that. It's just a question of whether they got the timing right, you know, yeah. kind of given the circumstances.
1: That sounds like the uh, article. So you, you have a problem with that one? No, no. I, I
2: said I'll quote some ones that make some sense from my point of view. Yep. Okay. Uh, there, there is. We'll do one more. Okay. And and this is just uh, such a hoot. I I I just can't believe it. Hang on a second. Okay. All right. Here we go. Th- this. This will be good. Then we can start our quiz with or without a caller here. Okay. So this is uh, Yahoo News UK, United Kingdom, Rebecca C. Taylor, coronavirus. These are the 19 main developments that have happened today. So so we're going to get a scorecard down to the sick person on this thing forever, okay, that, that's not good because it continuously reminds you what's going on. But anyway, here's, here's the piece. Uh, th- this, is, this is unbelievable. Okay, looks like Taylor Swift and Ariana Grande were right. To caution their fans about the coronavirus pandemic. Okay, I don't know about you, Jeff, but I don't take my medical advice from Taylor Swift or, or Ariana Grande. Uh, and and my point is that there's this media thing that you know we continuously look at celebrities and famous sports people and entertainers, and we look up to these folks and I guess we idolize them. I hope we don't heroize them, but you know it, you know you have to quote Taylor Swift because why? You, you couldn't ca- quote a, a, a disease doctor from John Hopkins or something like that. I, I mean, you know, by the way, if you're a, a, a devotee of Taylor Swift or Ariana Grande, I think this insults the intelligence of anybody who's <laughs> who enjoys those. Pay- so, you know, we're quoting entertainers from medical commentary, folks. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't think that's factual uh, in the way that news should be. So, I'll leave okay. it at that. Okay.
1: Yeah, well, it's, uh, well, first off. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you you, you got to laugh, right? Okay. It's, Ar, it's Ariana Grande. Yeah. Show, you're showing your age there a little bit. Yeah, uh, I understand. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I mean, the, the problem is, is there's just so much content. I like, mean, people are, you know, there's, there's way too much content out there, right? There's not, there's not enough real news and so people are just throwing stuff out there and they you know they know that people love taylor swift and ariana grande and so they'll get they'll get some number of people to click on that just because they say oh look at that taylor swift ariana grande that's 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 very very clickable and it's just yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> like not yeah not,
2: not news better. that's my point
1: <laughs> not news uh, Bagging on, bagging on the news, especially if it, if it keeps up like this. But anyway,
2: we have um, blur, blurred the lines between news and entertainment and fact and uh, fiction, and it's a whole lot of work to try to parse that out. And we get assaulted with it every day in one way, shape, or form. And got to keep working at that, folks, to make sense of it. Yeah,
1: but, you know, before the break, let, let's just talk briefly about you know uh, some of the risks. You know, we we've been talking about, uh, I know with clients, we've been talking about interest rates for a long time. Um, you know, the interest rates have, have sort of dropped from the you know, 70s and 80s from very high numbers down to very close to zero now. And that's been a, a discussion topic for us just because, it, you know, it, it makes news. Um, it makes news particularly because the Fed is always in the news and the Fed is sort of our primary uh, defense against um, you know, against economic hardship these days. And, and you know, cutting interest rates is probably their most powerful. The most powerful tool in their toolbox, and so it's, we hear a lot about it. And you know, there, it's a good thing. You know, you know, arguably making money cheaper does help the economy. I, I think the Fed probably overdoes it a bit, and, and um, you know, whether or not. I guess my opinion doesn't doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot there, but um, I think they overdo it. Uh, But there there are certainly downsides to lower interest rates. Right, the upside was for a long time if you owned a bond portfolio, and interest rates kept going down and down and down. That was a that was a tailwind to your bond portfolio. Uh, But as they get Low, And if you get into a cycle where interest rates are cycling up, that's a headwind to a bond portfolio and, and you know, maybe an investment portfolio in general, uh, but specifically on a bond portfolio. You know, we, we did see long term rates go way down and then they they jumped way back up um, you know, fairly recently this week. And you, know, you saw some bond funds, specifically longer term bond funds, go, you know, drop pretty significantly in price. And I think that was kind of a, a, a preview of what maybe what's to come. And I just wanted to point out the fact that you, you want to be diversified and you certainly want to understand your bond holdings these days because as interest rates, if they, if they go up, if we get inflation, if we get through this crisis and-, uh, and When, you know, when? And you know, when, when we get through the crisis, if we get a situation where interest rates are rising and rising potentially quickly, um, I think you want to probably take a, a close look at your portfolio. And, and this is, you know, most folks I think probably have a, a relatively diversified uh, portfolio from a from a bond point of view, and usually own a very diversified bond fund. But that's certainly not everybody, and I. And I'm Okay. Hey, Josh,
2: really quick prediction before the break. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. In the United States, if you park your cash in the bank, I'm going to predict that it's going to be negative interest rates for cash, and you're going to have to pay the bank to hold your
1: money. How's that? All right. Well, we'll talk about guess, that when we come back. Yeah, that we'll should get right some back. listeners, right? A little hype. <laughs> Okay, so if you have any questions, we you know we have an offer out there to go through a risk tolerance questionnaire with us, uh, and uh, and if so, we'll we'll leave an offer you a little bribe. We're going to get started here in just a minute. So if you would like to do that, uh, let's do it relatively quickly. Uh, telephone number is nine seven eight four five four four nine eight zero, and um, if you have a question on anything, uh, you can call that number uh, or also submit a question online, um, McNamara of dot uh, com you can submit a question uh, or if you want to email us questions at Money dot com all right so let's go through it uh, we've been uh, we've been media bashing for a little while' go back to that here but let's spend let's spend the rest of this time going through uh, our risk tolerance questionnaire actually one of our risk tolerance questionnaires uh, and I just want to go through the questions here and we'll talk about each one sort of briefly and why they you know why we asked that question and what we're getting at and the reasons for it and May go. I, I don't know how quickly or slowly this will go, but uh, let's let's get to it. And um, all right, here we go. Ready? Hang on, hang on. I have multiple screens here at at uh, at home. It's a lot easier to to get around here. Uh, okay. So um, you know, before I start, uh, you know, the, the the question that we are using this one specifically. I'll, I'll credit uh, the creators of it. It's uh, Lipman Gregory investment management uh, out of the, out of california we uh we use them for some of our investment research and they were kind enough to create this risk questionnaire which is one of the ones that we do use with our clients and this is the one that's certainly much better on the radio so uh, question number one uh, actually you want to answer these questions that do you want to be the actual the taker of the questionnaire i guess you, you probably should someone needs to do it
2: i was going to say sure huh.
1: <laughs> all right uh question number one in how many years do you estimate that you will begin needing the money you are investing so let's say you are let's see you're what 72
2: yeah make pre- pretend i'm somebody else okay how old am i to take this quiz
1: okay you want you wanna you want to role play well you tell me you can you uh, tell-
2: i'm gonna pretend i'm uh, 60 years old how's that
1: years old and you have some and you uh, you just left your you know you left your employer you're gonna work part-time now you're sort of in pre-retirement and you have a 401k uh, and we're gonna talk to you about investing it okay yeah okay that's good I'm good all right so what was the question all right so in how many years do you estimate that you will begin that you will begin to need the money you are investing
2: uh, could be as early as five if I don't like the part-time work, and could be as late as ten if I do. So I'll be on the conservative side and say five years,
1: just in case. All right. So yeah, we have a, we have a, we have a three to uh, three to seven years. We'll put that one in for you. Okay. Yeah. Course, you know, just, just you know, briefly on, you know, we should probably talk about each question. So this this question sure. and a lot of other ones are obviously going to be getting at time frame um and time horizon to when you need the money uh if you need the money if you need money sooner you probably want to be more conservative and if you and if you don't need it soon at all you can afford to be more aggressive and that's the rationale for these okay uh all right once you begin making withdrawals over how many years do you expect to draw down assets from this portfolio so you're basically asking
2: me how long i'm going to live is that right
1: well, you know, we, this question is generic. We could, be talking, we could be talking about a college portfolio here. Right? Yeah. I mean, you could, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, or you uh, could be talking about a, you know, I'm saving for my second yeah. home. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Home. okay. All right. If I'm 60 years old,
2: I'm going to be taking money till I'm um, 85.
1: Okay. All right. So that's more than 10 years. Um, and again, that's a time frame question. It's, it's slightly different. And the reason they're, you know, the reason they get into this one is if you're taking money out over a very very short time period let's say it was let's say you were taking it out immediately and and it was going to be gone in 5 years all of a sudden the time that you have to recover from a bear market uh, or at least a potential bear market is is very is essentially gone right i mean if you're if you're taking out a fifth of a portfolio every year and the market drops you really don't have any time to recover um, because as your as your portfolio drops in value, so does its ability to you know to, to come back uh, because you have less and less money in there to, to be uh, to be around for the readown.
2: Okay. Yeah, and folks, yeah, there is a, a subtle point here too. Uh, the question was when do you take money? It wasn't when you retired. You know, it's entirely possible that you may retire and not need to take money until a few years after you retire kind of given your circumstances and whatever's going on so so we're talking about time to taking the money folks it doesn't necessarily line up with a retirement date okay
1: yep yeah and, and, and again yep so, so and, and again if if you don't need the money um you know that can argue for a potentially more aggressive portfolio. but it doesn't always it doesn't always work that way either you know we certainly have clients who maybe have, you know, who maybe have great pensions or, you know, one very good pension in Social Security, and they don't technically need any of their investments. And, you know, we have the conversation, well, you could be as aggressive as you'd like to be, right? It doesn't count as up or down uh, 30% in a given year. It's not going to affect your life because you're not using the money. Um, Although it doesn't, it's it's not always that easy as we're, as we're sort of finding out here, um, or at least rediscovering uh, as the market drops. Well, you
2: know, people's financial circumstances can also have an effect on their risk tolerance. Sure. OK, if you've got a whole bunch of money, you don't need any of it. Theoretically, you don't have to take any risk or you could be really risky because it doesn't matter. So, you know, there are a bunch of uh, elements that go into that equation,
1: I guess. All right. Question three. Ready? Yep. If you will be adding to your portfolio, what percentage of your current portfolio's value will you expect to add annually over the next five years?
2: All right, so I'm gonna pretend I've got uh, $400,000 in a retirement plan right now, uh-huh. uh, and I'm gonna say even though I'm working part-time, uh, I can put in, I'll round this off, uh, 12,000, right. and uh, 12,000 is 3% of 400, so 3%. All right,
1: 3%, All right. So I have a three to five answer here. And so this question, question three, is is getting to uh, again how this how this question affects your risk tolerance is that if you are adding money to a portfolio, you know that, that adding and subtracting money from a portfolio uh, exacerbates volatility, right? So if you're if you're a, if you're adding to it, you actually want more volatility because when it's down those investments help you out um, versus when it's uh, versus when it's up. So uh, that's why they're asking that question specifically. So if you're adding to it, you could in theory, maybe potentially benefit from more volatility as opposed to less. All right, are you ready for this one? No, sure. I think we're gonna get at your uh, at your psychology here. So do you generally find yourself more comfortable investing in things that have done well the last few years? And, you, and there, there are, there is a, uh, there is an I don't know. There's a yes, no, and a not sure. or It depends.
2: Sure. The answer is no, because if they've been doing well, they're probably almost uh, due to
1: not do so well. So, okay. No. All right. So we, you know, And again, when when we talk about risk tolerance questionnaires, it's uh, it, it's it's mostly a mix of they're trying to get at the mixture of your psychology, right? So your your kind of your psychological ability to take on risk. And then also your financial ability to take on risk. There's really two different sides to it, and we're going to see a bunch of questions here that come in that are trying to get at your psychology. For folks who answer, you know, if, if you if you answer that the way that you just did, um, you, you're you're probably going to see a, you know a more aggressive result. Right, that answer right there will bump your risk level up. Because you seem, you know, you seem comfortable in that, you know, you seem more comfortable investing in things that have gone down, right? If, you, if you're that, that's correct,
2: yeah. And again, I, I've been doing this for forty years, so that might have something to do with it. And I've seen a few things, but I generally get nervous when things are going good, and I generally get excited when they're not going so good.
1: Yeah. In this role sense. play, you, you, that's should play this, <laughs> you should play first. Nelly in this role play. Oh, to, uh, okay. So, do you want? No, no. I can change my answer. It's okay. No, it's okay. You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll skip to the end. Okay. This, uh, this sheet that I have does not calculate the answer, so you're not going to get any. You're not going to get a, a result. I have to actually go and a different website to do that. But we probably won't have. We likely won't have time for that today. Uh, so just answer the way you want to. And okay. Uh, yeah. We're, we're going to talk about each one. So the the actual result isn't all that meaningful.
2: You can analyze me later, Josh. No problem. Okay. No, we'll, <laughs> we'll
1: Good luck with that. If your portfolio matches up, <laughs> uh, okay. If a unique circumstance were to require an amount of capital equal to at least one fourth of this portfolio value—that's a hundred thousand dollars, for example—where would you obtain the money? And basically, is it from this portfolio um, or from a, from another place? You know, you can have. You can say, I can't envision that circumstance say less than half of this portfolio the majority, there's, there's a lot of answers here
2: yeah um, um, I can't envision that circumstance and or I wouldn't go grab money that's a big chunk of my retirement money to make a bet on so I'd be conservative on that score
1: alright so you say I, I cannot envision a current circumstance that require that much money. correct, correct. alright so question five that's that's obviously another way to ask the time frame question right um, if you if you're a 60 year old and you didn't technically need this money uh, until, let's say, seventy-two, when you take requirement and distributions, right? Because we're talking about a four hundred one k. And and you you know maybe you, maybe your plan is to work part time until seventy-two, and then you know you start your requirement and distributions. Even if that's your even if you have a very long term time horizon um, with your plan A. If something happens and you ended up needed a hundred thousand, needing a hundred thousand dollars, which I, don't, I mean that's a that's a big chunk to need, but you know who knows? Maybe it's a maybe it's a wedding or maybe it's a you know some kind of a bill that uh, I don't know. I can't think of a I can't think of a circumstance where you'd need to grab a hundred grand. But if you need that all from this portfolio, that's gonna that'll push you in in the more conservative direction, right? Because you don't want to have you know you don't want to be in a relatively aggressive strategy that might be down know 30 35 40 percent at a given time and then need to pull out a huge chunk of the portfolio right because you could be you know your 400 could drop to 300 and then if you grab out 100 you're you know you've lost half your money already and you have less less to come less to come back when when things do recover you're singing my tune jess okay i'm making sure i thought we'd, I thought we'd talk about each one of these just to make sure everyone's on yep. The point. yep all right question six there's only 17 of these folks okay were, get through them relatively quickly. If you use withdrawals from your portfolio for living expenses, what what lifestyle changes if any you can make if your portfolio declines substantially? You can you can say NA cuz you're not taking withdrawals now, but will yep. uh, that's probably your plan. Um, So should should I I answer that? Should I
2: pass on that
1: because I don't plan to? Or what what do you think? Yeah, I would probably say not applicable. Okay, not applicable. Okay. But but the other questions are, would cut spending sharply, um, reduce spending slightly, no changes, or, and there's even one in there that says, uh, I cannot allow my portfolio to decline substantially.
2: Okay, I'd, I'd, uh, you know, if it was a dramatic change, I'd probably attempt to change my uh, living expenses, but then again, that depends on how much of that I absolutely needed—essential expenses to, you know, pay the electricity—or discretionary yeah. expenses to go out to the movies. So that's a de- kind of depends on how much of it you need for important stuff versus fun stuff, you know.
1: Right. This is, yeah, this is very much a, um, a, a, a can you adjust your lifestyle, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we, right. we certainly see a lot of folks who could, in infer- theory. No one wants to cut spending, but we, we certainly work with a lot of folks who could in theory cut their spending, right? I mean if you're if, if you you know, if you have a golf club membership or if you you know, if you go out to eat, you know, three or four times a week, there you know, there's there are lots of folks that we work with who could again, don't want to, but could cut their spending sharply. And then you have other folks who are are for the most part taking out money out of their portfolios to cover necessary expenses, right? You can't stop eating um, Yep you know so it's just this is a if you answer I would cut it I would, I would cut it sharply, that's a more aggressive answer, right That'll push the portfolio yep. profile yep. up. And if you say, hey, I can't afford to cut my spending, then that's a more conservative portfolio uh, because you know you just can't you can't afford to see that portfolio drop and have and have the money um, you know sort of dry up and the amount that you can take uh, reduced, okay. Uh, You know what, it looks like uh, we do have a caller. Let's go to Dot. Dot, are you there?
3: Yes, hi. I I, just uh, comment and a question, I guess.
1: Okay, go ahead. What do
3: you say to people who have to pay anywhere, and it happened to me for eight years, anywhere with five to $10,000 a month nursing home payments? My husband died a year ago of early onset Alzheimer's. Did not qualify for Medicaid. No one did go into all those details. Yeah. Um, wound up taking home equity, out- out refinancing my house. There, and I do know there are still people in the nursing home right now who have to come up with anywhere from five to ten thousand dollars a month, depending how long they're there and how old they are, et cetera. Um, how do you? What are they supposed to do at this point? With, and I know some of them rely on you know their stocks to help pay the difference.
2: Yeah. Dot. Have you talked with an attorney about oh, uh, your situation?
3: Even, two of them. Don't even talk to me about. Okay. I, I'm worried about my friends who are. Uh, my husband passed away a year ago. Okay. I, I was able to manage. I, two. Don't even talk. One was at least fa- fabulous, but yeah. when it happens early and people don't realize, and you know there are people out there in the situation like I am right now. I've just talked to one of them, and uh, I, the nursing home's going to say it's a state of emergency. Uh, you don't need to come up with the extra five thousand dollars this month, and believe me, it's true. There are people who do not qualify for Medicaid who are at the wits end of, the, of their ability to pay.
2: Yeah, we don't we don't doubt that.
1: Okay, so you're, you're asking spe- specifically in terms right, of
3: what should they the do the during this period? Yeah, cash in because they have to. Can they get a, some type of a? We uh, uh, you know uh, uh, playing from the nursing home that they don't have to pay right now until it bounces back.
1: Yeah. Okay. Great question. And did you have a comment as well before? I, you know that that may be a long answer. Do you want us to answer that, or do you have a comment as well?
3: No, no. That's that's well. I, 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 it, it's awful when you can't trust either media, either the right, the left, or the in between. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's I think a few of us. I mean, I'm 69, and I mean, I as you've seen a lot of things. Anyway, what's your advice? Because I'm actually going to be on the phone with one of them tonight.
1: Wow. Okay. You know, I, I guess. I, I, let me start off by saying, you know, I'll let, I'll let you have a crack at this. I, I just want to start off and set the stage that um, nurse planning for a nursing home and planning for long term care in general is. Incredibly difficult, and it's 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 not easy at all because the the costs are so astronomically high that it's it's hard. You know, you can buy insurance for it, right? There, there's long-term care insurance, which oh, I did.
3: Oh, yeah, that doesn't. Okay, <laughs> yeah,
1: and that this does I'm just sort of setting, setting the stage for our answer. Yeah, um, it's it's so expensive that um, you know there is insurance available, but the, even the insurance is very expensive. So, it, and and with it being such an unknown, it doesn't apply to everybody. Uh, you get a situation where where folks say, well, you know, either I can't save for that or I can't afford the insurance and I just have to bear the risk, or maybe I could afford the insurance, but I don't want to because it's going to be a significant And then it's
3: held lifestyle. against you because, oh, you have uh, right. $500 well, a month.
1: Yeah.
3: That goes right against what you're, you, you pray like you should for years yeah. and years, never even expecting to, you're going to have to use it so early in your life. Yep. Yeah. So, elder care attorneys. Some of them, I'll tell you, one was excellent. Another one should should be put in jail. But that's all I'm going to say. Oh. Uh, what do should they cash and there's or have them? they one of them's going to call their attorney on Monday, and see. Yeah. You.
1: And and now, Dot. I, I, again, I don't know how how no, how well you know your friend's financial situation, but are they? you know if you're taking money if if they're regularly taking that let's say it's $5000 a month to pay the nursing home have they prepared in advance for that you know when we work with clients if we if we have known expenses and and if you're in a nursing home you know that's very clearly a known expense ideally you would have prepared for that as far as income needs go and and you know hopefully that if if they're taking out 5000 a month that money's not coming out of the stock market specifically. Is, is the, do you know if that's right, the case? Right,
3: right. Well, you're like fucking long-term, like, for them, long-term with their loved one is maybe a year to two more.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. I, don't I, mean, I guess I guess the advice that I'm, I'm trying to think I'm, I'm trying to think without knowing the specifics to this uh, of this particular person it's, it's hard to give advice I, the answer is I don't think you're probably going to get any relief from the nursing home that's going to be my guess I mean I, I I know that there's you know legislation being worked on but I I'm going to doubt that it would be specific and be of any help to your friend um should your friend you know I, I don't know that your friend should cash out of her of uh, his or her portfolio that would really depend on how aggressive it was. You know, if we're talking about a relatively conservative strategy, I don't know that she would, she or she would need to, to cash out of it, but if we're talking about a very aggressive type of a strategy, then, then maybe that's a different answer. Do you happen to know what the, you know, how aggressive or conservative they are?
3: Well, I'd say um, pretty conservative, yeah. It's pretty conservative. Okay. No. L- okay, let me take, I didn't want yeah. to take up your no, own no, time. I wouldn't know if you knew. Because they're yeah. bailing out all, all the stores. And, the, and I'm not saying yeah. they shouldn't. Yeah. The stores, the small shop owners and all that. Well, what about the people who have five to $10,000 at least uh, with, who have to come up with this money every month for the next two years? And
2: yeah. Do, I'm bailing let, them
3: out. Yeah. And I was Dot. wondering, maybe nursing homes, if you knew anything, yeah. were going to be included in that, you know, no, temporarily no, suspend yeah. payments.
2: Dot, this is Mike. Could I, uh, let me just try to help you out a little bit here. Um, you know, there's a, depending on a person's situation, there's a batting order about where you go get money if you happen to have it. Okay? And, and a home equity line of credit uh, would, would be one of those things. So We don't know. What the what bullets that your friend has in her financial gun that that could be used? But there's a certain order that you would do things given a down market, and if she did have stocks and if she did have an equity line of credit, maybe it's better to borrow the money right now as opposed to crash the stocks when they're down, sort of a thing. That's, well, that's
3: a gen- exactly I, I, what I did. I refinanced my. Yeah, own th- house th- and congr- and
2: congratulations. Okay. The, yeah, the, the Well, the yeah,
3: stock- I'm still paying ninety thousand yeah. dollars and plus, but that's well, okay. Yeah, Listen, yeah. I don't want to take up more of your time. Yeah. I just thought if you you know if no well, dot, yeah
2: one more thing dot one more thing before we leave okay uh, if her circumstances are such that she's going to be approaching qualifying for Medicaid to do that well then then, then that's a different path we don't know how much right, ammunition right. she has to do that and by the way if you'd like to talk personally uh, J- justin give her your office number you maybe can help her out a little bit more in detail than do it on the on the phone here well, oh yeah yeah I
3: will Okay, okay, I will because uh, I I will. Okay, yeah. I, I have your I listened to you other times. So do, do I, we, we'd be happy to
2: just try to help you out a little bit more specifically over the phone and, and appreciate yeah, the call. Okay. I will okay. I'll
3: have her give a good call or text or something or, or on the web, but I I know she's already refined, refinanced her house. So, you know.
2: Yep.
3: Adequate we're in that little middle where yeah, Richie. Not rich enough, not have to worry about it. But you're not poor enough to apply for Medicaid or whatever. Anyway, yeah. I'm going to get off the phone. Thank you very much for your help. I'm going to have her text you or something. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Dot, thank,
2: thanks for the call, Dot, and good luck with that. Okay. Tough
1: place to be, right, Josh? Holy cow, huh? Yeah, Dot. Is, I mean, Dot is absolutely right that there is a there's a very difficult middle ground when you're talking about long-term care planning where. Um, you know, you, you can. If you if you don't have any money, then you know you're sort of stuck with, with the Medicaid option. And uh, if you have if you have plenty of money, you know if you have mil- if you have millions of dollars, then you, you're probably okay because it's you know e- even at you know even at maybe hundred and fifty thousand dollars or more per year. You you can last at least at least for a while, uh, and so but that that middle is very very difficult place to be in because you just don't have you know you, you may not have enough money to buy the insurance and you know if you have a nest egg of a couple hundred thousand dollars uh, that goes pretty quickly when you're talking about you know maybe a, maybe a buck fifty a year for a nursing home so we certainly sympathize and and you know Dot was obviously stressed about it and it's a very very stressful time. I think yeah, and,
2: you know, and unfortunately, there's a whole lot of people who are in that middle position. If you talk about numbers of people, I mean, just huge amounts. Most folks who worked hard, tried to accumulate enough money to be okay, and then then all of a sudden, it's at risk. So, yeah,
1: yeah. In, in you know, in this, you know, hopefully, Dodd or her friend reaches out to us directly. But um, more than likely, when you're in that situation, when you're actually in a nursing home, usually or or, or about to go into one. Usually what you're, you know, you're usually dealing with lawyers, right? At, at that point, the insurance option is gone. Um, you know, at, at that point, sort of investing, that option is gone, and you, and you kind of have what you have. And if there's anything that you can do, um, you know, to protect your money, normally it's going to be a legal action. And, and you know, there are plenty of, of, uh, of great attorneys out there. Um, and, and I guess some not. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we already knew that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that applies for financial
2: advisors as well, folks. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I know that she'll be able to get good help out there, and, and we'll certainly help her out if she reaches out. Okay? Or we'll try. Oh, we'll try. All right. You want, to, you want to try to burn through the rest of this questionnaire? The, oh, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll we'll do it quickly. quickly. Go ahead. Shoot. Um, when you review your portfolio, do you focus more on the individual positions or the overall portfolio? overall overall okay yeah uh, i think i think that question is mostly in there it's just a sort of a psychological thing are are you are you really digging in to the portfolio, are you you know, if you're looking at every position and it bothers it bothers you that one is up and one is down, that's probably an indication that you are maybe maybe paying atten- maybe paying a lot of attention. And those folks I think normally probably would be considered that would that would maybe nudge you more conservative because if you're looking every day and checking the performance of every of every holding every day, you're probably um, you know, maybe more likely to be to be a bit nervous about market movement. That's a uh, at least that's my, that's my um, take on that on that question specifically. Uh, well done, my son. Well done. Uh, you're given the choice between two portfolios. The total values of both portfolios fluctuate by roughly the same amount, but the fluctuations in, in value of the individual positions are much wider, and that's essentially the same question. Uh, so I'll skip over that when we will get to one. Yeah.
2: I'm not paying attention. I'm a big picture kind of guy.
1: Oh, here's a good one. Which is the closest which is closest to the largest percentage amount you have ever lost on a single investment? You never lost money? $25, Twenty five, fifty, seventy five, a hundred? Um
2: jeesh. If it's got to do with if you never sell, you never lose, right?
1: Well, that's not true. If you owned a company that went out of business, you lost. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh,
2: you know what? I, I think I've lost a little money on a couple of real estate transactions. Uh, so I'll say $5,000. $5,000? $5, yeah. What was
1: the percentage of your investment? Oh, uh,
2: tiny. Tiny. That's it?
1: Oh, well, yeah, yeah, Small. All right, well then you must have stocks during during some bear market. So sure, sure I did. That, I think that means I think they mean downward fluctuation. I, yeah. I don't think specific yep. to Your your definition of loss is not the same as everybody else's. You're, I understand. More more correct, but. And they should be paying attention about that. <clears throat> okay. All right, which of the following statements best describes what you did during the most recent investment losses you suffered? Did you buy more, you sell quickly, or did you continue to hold? Held and bought more in my 401k.
2: All
1: right. Managed I mean, by
2: managed by Justin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, Take care of my
1: money, kid. I was just okay. Doing for, the last, uh, for the last one. Anyway, um, that's a psychological question. Again, just trying to get at you know how do you feel about losses? Do you do you, do you look at loss or or attempt or or downward volatility? We'll call it. Do you look at that more? As an opportunity, or more as a risk, right? In your case, because you've been doing this so long and you've seen so much, so much up and down over the years, uh, you clearly look at it more uh, of an opportunity.
2: As long as we don't go back to the stone age, it's going to work. Just
1: that's how it is. Ah, perfect timing. Look at that. All right. Well, uh, nice talking to you out there. Hey, everybody, stay safe, stay inside, and uh, we will talk to you in the
0: next. Week.